you who are broken-hearted, who work, woke today with the winds of despair whistling through your mind. Come in. You who are brave but wounded, limping through life, perhaps hurting with every step, come in. You who are fearful, who live with shadows hovering over your shoulders, come in. This place is sanctuary and it is for you. You who are filled with happiness, whose abundance overflows, come in. You who walk through the world with lightness and grace, who awoke this morning with strength and hope, you who have everything to give, come in. This space is your calling. A riverbank to channel the sweet waters of your life. The place where you are called by the world's need. Here we offer in love, here we receive in gratitude. Here we make a circle for the great gifts of breath, attention and purpose. Here we recognize the great span of human experience, the patchwork of diversity we create by our being. Come in. Our opening words adapted from a piece written by Kathleen McTeague. And hello, hello everybody and welcome to Kensington Unitarians Sunday gathering here on Zoom. Welcome to congregation members, friends and visitors from far and near. It's good to see you all today. And welcome also to those of you watching this service on a video sometime in the future, listening into the podcast or reading the script. There are many ways to join in. And if you are with us in person this morning, in the virtual realm of Zoom, do feel free to engage at a level that's right for you. Of course, we're glad to see your lovely faces, but it's also okay to switch your cameras off and sit back and rest. So I invite us all now to take a moment and to take a breath. And as we take that conscious breath, let's know that we have arrived at this moment in our lives. as I light this chalice flame, this symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. It connects us, one with all. In today's service, we're going to be recognizing Holocaust Memorial Day, which takes place each year on 27th of January. And I'm really grateful to our trustee, Harold Lorenzelli, who has put so much thought into our address today. It seems ever more important, doesn't it, in these um, days of polarized politics and fake news, that we remember our human potential for inhumanity to one another. And that we recognize that the roots of any Holocaust, those roots begin way back in a society when the identities of certain groups are denigrated, looked down upon, objectified, generalized, when hatred becomes normal. Those roots start to grow when ordinary people like us look away and ignore identity-based hostility. 
So let's instead try to be the people who stand in solidarity and bear witness to wrongdoing and injustice. So I invite you to do whatever helps you to be in the right state of body and mind, maybe shift your position, find a, a prayerful posture if that particularly works for you, maybe close your eyes or soften your gaze, whatever helps us to be fully present with ourselves, with one another, and with that larger presence which holds us all. As we join in this time of reflection and prayer, we remember this week's Holocaust Memorial Day. And we also mark that today is the start of LGBT plus History Month, when we're encouraged to find out more about LGBT plus history and achievements, as well as combating prejudice and misinformation. And so let us pray. Spirit of life, we know you by many names or by no name at all. We affirm that all people are endowed with inherent dignity and worth, and that we are called to treat each other in ways that honour and value that worth. We seek to embody those values in our lives and in our communities. We also acknowledge that we are called, each of us, to resist all forms of injustice. We are called to remember the depths of our potential inhumanity to one another and to commit ourselves again and again to the rebuilding of our shared humanity, to cultivate our ability to greet all others as neighbours even when, particularly when, they are different from us. When we hear of others' prob people's problems, let us own our collective involvement in all the world's issues. Let us take shared responsibility for the problems of our world, knowing that we cannot live for ourselves alone. And with this principle to guide us, I invite each of us now to spend a few moments in silence, directing our thoughts and prayers to those we know to be in need this day. And perhaps in these moments, we can own our individual and collective potential for evil and wrongdoing. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or may each of us find wellsprings of courage to stand against injustice and discriminatory attitudes. 
and most of all, let each of us remember our own power, small though it may be, to make things better in this world and in ourselves. Through simple acts and perhaps just small adjustments in our thinking. And by remembering that each and every person is indeed a neighbour of ours, for we share this one world. Spirit of life and love, we ask your blessing as we seek to co-create a world where people are free from injustice, violence, discrimination. And to that aspiration, let us say, if we so wish now, Amen. So may it be. We're, we're going to read the lyrics, Harold and I, of um, a very moving song written by Clive James. Don't know if you remember Clive James. He recently died. Um, he was, uh, what would you call him? An Australian raconteur. He told great stories. I remember when I first saw him on TV, I found him rather brash and loud. And then in much in later life, I discovered that he had far greater depth than I'd first imagined. He's a really fine poet in my view. So Harold and I are going to read this as a poem, but if it touches you as it, it did us, we recommend looking for the song online sometime. It's called A Hill of Little Shoes, and it's based on those photographs. Do you remember seeing them? Those photographs that were shown of the concentration camps after World War II, those enormous heaps of discarded children's shoes. Clive James is asking us to consider how we bear witness to the knowledge of such dreadful acts committed by some human beings against other human beings. How shall we raise the youngsters alive today when we live in the shadow of those hills of little shoes? How can we bear the knowledge that we lived whilst others died? Perhaps if we can remain aware of such atrocities, well, we might find the strength to ensure that such atrocities do not happen again. We could have been them. We could have been those children and we could have been those who ordered the building of hills of little shoes. I live in the shadow of a hill, a hill of little shoes. I love, but I shiver with a chill, a chill I never lose. I live, I love, but where are they? Where are their lives, their loves, all blown away? And every little shoe's a foot that never grew another day. If you could find a pair, and put them on the floor, make a mark in the air, like the marks beside your door when you were growing, 
you'd see how tall they were. And the buckles and the laces they could do up on their own, or almost could, with their tongue tips barely showing, tell you how small they were. And then you'd think of little faces looking fearfully alone and how they stood in their bare feet being tall for the last time, just to be good. And that was all they were. They were like you in the same year, but you grew up. They were barely even here before they suddenly weren't there. And while you got dressed for bed, they did the same, but they were led into another room instead. And they were all blown away into thin air. I live in the shadow of a hill, a hill of little shoes. I love, but I shiver with a chill, a chill I never lose. And I caught this cold when I was chosen to grow old in the shadow of a hill of little shoes. Well, after, after such a stark image of those hills of little shoes, Let's move into a time of quiet meditation. You might want to adjust your position so you feel comfy, maybe take a stretch and lift those shoulders up and round and back. Let some of that tension of life fall away if you can. And we'll have a good three minutes held in silence together. And there'll be a chalice flame video to focus on if you wish, or do close your eyes if that works best for you. And the silence will come to an end with our second piece of music today, written by the Russian 20th century composer, Reinhold Glier, played on cello and viola for us by Abby and Rachel. And if it helps you to, to have an idea to take into the meditation, here is a very short sentence from the Upanishads, the uh, Sanskrit ancient scriptures. I wonder if this speaks to you today. To direct the mind towards the basic unity of all things and to divert it from the seizing of differences, therein lies bliss to direct the mind towards the basic unity of all things and to direct it and divert it from the seizing of differences, therein lies bliss.
The topic of evil and its place in the world is not an easy one to approach. I'm a natural optimist and so to be confronted as we all are on a regular basis with facts which belie or challenge that condition is not an easy thing to swallow. If you accept the principle that this is one humanity, though riven as the hymn goes, then it's hard to escape the conclusion that we inevitably share both the good and the bad that constitutes the human lot. As the Latin phrase suggests, there is nothing that is human that is alien from me. Of course, the hundred dollar question is, why should it be that some people are driven to unspeakable acts of atrocity? What is it? that motivates some of us to commit crimes against humanity that are abhorrent to the common mass. Setting aside genetic predisposition, hard enough to establish despite advances in neurological research, is it possible to establish a psychology of evil, an evil gene, as it were? Speculation abounds and the land is filled with the competing cries of those who claim our hands are bound before birth to those existentialist thinkers who believe we are limited neither by our culture or our genes. We are free to choose our destinies. Well, the jury is out on that one. What interests me perhaps more is the motivation for such acts. Hannah Arendt, the thinker, coined the memorable phrase, the banality of evil. By that, she did not mean to trivialize the evil that people perpetrate. In her observations at the trial of Eichmann for war crimes in 1963, she remarked on the commonplace, often mundane reasons why people allow acts of extreme cruelty to take place. His was no grandiose design, but a wish to improve his chances of advancement in the party hierarchy. Chilling 
as we may find that remark, it betrays the possibility that evil deeds, be they great or small, may often be hidden beneath a veil of seeming normality. The aims of totalitarian fascist regimes are mostly disguised when people become mere cogs in the machinery of government. Evil is perpetrated when people act without examining the consequences and fail to think from the standpoint of somebody else. In other words, a lack of empathy. As E.M. Forster famously pointed out, only connect. Arendt relies on the fact that most people will comply, but some will not in conditions of terror. Evil could happen anywhere, but does not. And this is grounds for believing that we will survive. Now, you might find that last remark a little stark, and you'll remember that I consider myself an optimist at heart. So I looked elsewhere to find examples of people's reaction to the existence of evil in the world. The great Russian writer Dostoevsky believed in the innate goodness of the human spirit, and that despite the badness we encounter, we should look to our highest ideals and seek the diamonds amongst the filth, as he put it. He was incidentally suspicious of all social systems and prized individual virtue as the bedrock to spiritual advancement. John Steinbeck was a little more sanguine in his assessment. All the goodness and heroisms will rise up again, then be cut down again and rise up. It isn't that the evil thing wins, it never will, but that it doesn't die. Albert Camus said pretty much the same thing in his novel, The Plague. The Plague, a metaphor for man's ability to harm his fellow creatures may lie dormant for years, only to rise up again for the instruction and misfortune of mankind. A surprising source of reflection came from the pen of Isaac Asimov, the writer of science fiction. We need, he says, to believe people are good even if they tend to be bad, because your own joy and happiness in life is increased that way, and the pleasures of belief outweigh the disappointments. The writer Maya Angelou responded to her own rape as a young woman by turning to literature, to human thought, human disappointments and triumphs. Enough, she says, to triumph herself. She upheld courage as the indelible individual capacity to create ourselves daily as Christians, as Muslims, as Jews, as thinking, caring, laughing, loving human beings. To confront evil and to turn it by dint of will into something applicable to the development of our evolution individually and collectively is, she thought, 
both exciting and honorable. The threat of despondency and cynicism are never far from the surface. And we wrestle with these demons sometimes on a daily basis. It requires a supreme act of the will, the human spirit in its most combative phase, that we are not alone in the desire to build bridges of hope is testimony to the resilience of our species. If you will allow me, I'd like to end by quoting a letter written in 1973 by an American author, E.B. White, who wrote a letter in response to a Mr. Nado, who had, for reasons unexplained, lost faith in humanity. It is found in his letters of note. Dear Mr. Nado, as long as there is one upright man, as long as there is one compassionate woman, the contagion may spread and the scene is not desolate. Hope is the thing that is left to us in a bad time. I shall get up on Sunday morning and wind the clock as a contribution to order and steadfastness. Sailors have an expression about the weather. They say, the weather is a great bluffer. I guess the same is true of our human society. Things can look dark, then a break shows in the clouds and all is changed, sometime rather suddenly. It is quite obvious that the human race has made a queer mess of life on this planet. But as a people, we probably harbor seeds of goodness that have lain for a long time waiting to sprout when the conditions are right. Man's curiosity, his relentlessness, his inventiveness, his ingenuity have led him into deep trouble. We can only hope that these same traits will enable him to claw his way out. Hang on to your hat. Hang on to your hope. And wind the clock. For tomorrow is another day. Yours sincerely, E.B. White. Thanks to you, Harold, for that really thought-provoking piece. Really appreciated you writing that. Uh, there's um, an opportunity to sing a hymn now, but if you'd rather just read the words that are going to appear on the screen soon, that's fine. It's, um, it's a lovely meditative piece. It's been recorded for us by the Unitarian Music Society. And the words, um, you'll recognize, they come from a, a Buddhist metta practice of loving kindness. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. And we'll all be muted so we can all sing along in good voice if we'd like to.
Well, that was slight misrepresentation under the Trade Descriptions Act because that was our congregation singing beautifully, I thought, but we rustle a bit more than the Unitarian Music Society. And I should have told you at the beginning because I can actually recognize some individual voices there. Nice to hear our congregation singing. So uh, time for some announcements now. As, as always, really much gratitude to our Zoom hosts, Jane and Jenny, this morning. Um, without them, these services just would not happen. Thanks to Harold Lorenzelli for really making me think and to Abby Lerumier and Rachel Spence for introducing us to a composer I'd not heard of before, Reinhold Glier. All three pieces today are by him. The, there are plenty of other opportunities to keep in touch in the week ahead with the West London Green Spirit Group meeting um, tomorrow, Monday afternoon, 2.50 for a 3 p.m. start. I've got a list of people who've already um, asked to join in that, and I'll be sending out the link after the service today. If you'd like to join us, then, then do let me know. Um, it's going to be a celebration of the early spring festival of Imolk. And then there's the coffee morning at 10.30 on Tuesday. And if you'd like to join a heart and soul session one evening this week, I think it's Friday and Sunday, do get in touch with Jane as there may be a few spaces left. And do um, drop us a line, an email, if you're quite new to our Sunday gatherings. It's always good to hear from people. And thank you everyone who has made a donation recently or taken out a standing order. Every bit helps in these challenging times. They're challenging for all organizations and charities, aren't they? At the end of the service, after our closing music, we like to take a photo, so do stick around for that if that's okay with you. And we'll have a chat over coffee in small groups too, to which everyone is welcome. And for our closing words, I suggest that we all now uh, switch to gallery view so that we can see each other in community together, if you can find that on your device. Lovely. And so, I've extinguished our chalice flame, but not the warmth of this community. Let's take the sense of uh, connection back out into our wider world that so needs a message of oneness in diversity. And in the week that lies ahead, may each of us be blessed with the strength we need to stand up for that which we know to be right. In the week ahead, may we be blessed with the humility to know that our cherished opinions and points of view they might just be wrong. And in the week ahead, may we be blessed by the spirit of right action, guiding our steps for the greater good of all. Amen. Go well, all of you, and blessed be. Mm -hmm.